Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. preached a message several years ago using the same title, uh, but I, I, I switched the title just moments before service. Um, so if you were here several years ago and I preached a message on this title, then it's not the same message, okay? As we were in worship, I, I sensed something come on me. Um, uh, just a, 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 an acute awareness of his presence. And I, I felt like Father told me that he anointed me to remove lies today. And that's, that's what the message is about. But I, I sensed a special anointing, and that download came with those, that, that understanding. That So I want to encourage you today. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 1. The title of the message is simply, Who's Your Daddy? John chapter 8, verse 1. I want to encourage you to keep your Bible open to John 8 because we're going to look at a couple other verses in a few minutes. But when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me. Father, I know what I believe you've spoken to my heart, but I, I also know that I am incapable of, of doing what the Holy Spirit does so easily and so well. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to us. Use what I say or use what in spite of what I say. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher, you're the preacher here. Have your way here today. Amen. We've all probably have read this story before. I'm amazed at the number of times I've heard preachers or teachers try to tell you what Jesus wrote in the sand. I'm a pretty simple guy. If it was important, guess what? He would have told us what he wrote. 
And in fact, it tells us that what he wrote in the sand had nothing to do with what they said because it said that he wrote in the sand as if he hadn't heard them. So you know what Jesus wrote in the sand? It doesn't matter. Had nothing to do with their question. Just putting that out there. But this is an interesting story. And in this chapter 8, there's a, a, a great truth that God wants to unlock for us. These religious folks are hearing him teach. And, and in spite of what he's sharing, you notice we don't hear what he's saying. We just know that he taught them. We don't know what he taught them. But how many knows it was good? It's coming from God. It's good. Jesus said, I don't say anything unless I hear the Father saying it. But we're not told what he taught because something else has overtaken this meeting. What overtook this meeting is the attitude of these Pharisees. And so we don't know what he was taught, what he taught them. We do know that as he was teaching, their mind was somewhere else. Not only was their mind somewhere else, some of them were somewhere else. And they find a woman caught in the very act of adultery. It takes two, but we only hear about the woman. And she's dragged into the room and she's put down in front of Jesus and said, okay, you see, they think they're going to trap him. The law of Moses says that she should be stoned. What do you say? And he ignores them. And he stoops down, literally means he got down on his knees and he began to play in the dirt. As if he never heard a word they said. The devil hates it when you ignore him. Let's understand something about the enemy. He works in deception. Everything he does is by deception. Because if you come to know the truth, then you'll be free. And the deception is, his deception is, he wants you to think he's got power and authority. And if he gets you to believe that, I saw a video this week, it was... I'd seen it once before, and it was very startling. These guys were out in the deep woods, and, and they saw this huge grizzly bear. And they had a camera set up, and, and they kind of lost sight of the grizzly bear, and all of a sudden that grizzly bear comes running at them. I mean, this thing was huge, full speed. <laughs> and it came running 30 or 40 yards, and the guy just stood his ground, and that huge grizzly bear ran up and swatted the ground right at his feet. I don't know if the guy was just scared stiff or he was brave, but he didn't move. And the bear just looked at him and growled. And the bear turned and, and walked, began to just walk off. And then the bear stopped like he was going to maybe come back, and the guy yelled at it. He said, get out of here. And the bear came running up to him and, with his paw and just stopped and just turned and walked away. You see, I, the, the bear was probably shocked that the guy didn't move. Not only did he not move, he yelled back at him. You need to know that the devil want, has to first convince you of a lie before he can do anything in your life. He wants to convince you that he is this all-powerful all-knowing, all-seeing entity in the universe. And yet, the truth of the matter is, John, you got your keys with you? One of your keys 
Which one of these is your house key? Probably this one. Is that one? That's John's house key. I don't have a key for John's house. Because that's John's house. The next time the devil comes after you, remind him he doesn't even have keys to his own house. Doesn't even have keys to his own place. Jesus took them and gave them to us. That's why when the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail, because we walk up and open the door with the key. But in this story, they brought her and they put her there and said, the law of Moses demands that we stone her. What do you say? And he toys in the sand. And they kept hounding him. And he stood up and looked at them and he said, go ahead. Whichever one of you doesn't have any sin in your life, throw a stone, man. And he went back down and began to toy in the sand again. The Bible says that it didn't matter whether you were old or young, Every one of them dropped their stones and turned and walked away. This message isn't going where you think it's going. You know what is awesome about this story? This story was supposed to be about her failures. And Jesus turned around and made it about their problems. Can I tell you that God wasn't trying to be a smart aleck? He wasn't trying to be play games of one-upmanship. He knew something about human relations. But oftentimes what we see and how we treat other people has more to do with what's in our own heart than them. And he wasn't playing games. He, he loved these people. And he knew that they were trapped in a lie. And he wanted to free them of that. Same chapter, same story, same people. A few verses down. Verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say? you will be made free. You see what just happened there? Some of the most beautiful words that Jesus ever spoke. You shall know the truth and you shall be free because of that truth. That truth will set you free. They look at him and said, what are you talking about? We don't need to be set free of anything. We don't have any problems. We don't have any issues. He's going to prove them wrong in just a moment and why, but, but you see the resistance. We, we need to be careful lest we get to the place that we think that whatever the word of God is saying, it's not saying to us. Too often times we come to the church and we hear a message and people will go and say, Pastor, so-and-so should have been here to hear, hear that. But the truth is, God knew who was going to be there, and that message for the, was for those that were there, not for those that were absent. And so if you were there, it was probably, whether you want to own it or not, it was about you. I had a fellow a number of years ago, he, 
he was a tough egg to crack. He just was. And I preached a message on knowing your salvation, and I, I preached that you, you, you can't know that you're saved because you think you're saved. Your salvation needs to line up with the Word of God. And that if you only take solace in what you know and what you believe instead of what the Word of God says, then your, your salvation is built on shifting sand. And I remember the, the power of the Holy Spirit that morning was so strong. And I, I remember at one point looking up and I saw him there. And, and he, was, he was kind of a hard guy. And yet there were, there were tears in his face. And, and yet he never went forward to the altar service. A couple of days later, I, I had a chance to talk with him. And he said, Pastor, i got to tell you something. He said, Sunday morning, you almost got me. He said, you almost got me. I said, he said, there was something on me that was just... And he said, even though I've been going to church all these years, and even though I've always called myself a Christian, there was something in Sunday morning that almost got me. And he said, I couldn't sleep Sunday night, and I woke up irritated Monday morning, and I couldn't sleep Monday night, and I woke up early on Tuesday morning, all irritated. And he said, finally, I just said, enough of this. I said I'm saved, so I'm saved. He said, I just feel better about it now. In other words, he did exactly what the Word of God told him not to do. There's a scripture in the Satanic Bible that says, unto thine own self be true. And that's what he was doing. And Jesus is telling these guys here, listen, here's the struggle. There's a truth out there that you don't know and it's holding you in bondage. And, and there's this resistance by them that we're sons of Abraham. We're descendants of Abraham. We've never been in bondage to anybody. It's a lie. They've been in bondage physically. They're in bondage right now spiritually. And I found this to be true about the truth. If you don't accept it and you don't own it, it doesn't do you a look of good. If you will resist the Holy Spirit and continue to tell him, no, that's not true because your pride won't let it be true. If you continue to just hold on to the fallacy that's been planted in your heart, you'll stay that way. Jesus here is telling them, I want you to know the truth because the truth will set you free. These are the same people that brought the woman and they wanted him to get mad at her and he wasn't mad at anybody. He told her, to, I don't condemn you either. Now go and don't do this anymore. And now he's looking at these guys and he's seizing them a bondage that is causing them to treat her that way. That's a good word, folks. And he's looking at them with love and he's telling them, I want you to know the truth that I'm sharing with you because this truth will set you free. Same chapter, same people, same Jesus. Verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. He's, I, I just, I, I've shared with several people this week, I'm, I'm sometimes challenged to find the, the, the balance. I, I know that God is a God of love, and I know that we need to speak life. Amen?
And we need to speak love to people. And there's, there's something freeing about that. But there are also times when, well, Jesus is almost like the other end of the spectrum. He goes into the, the temple where the money changers are present and he makes a mess. I don't know how else you say it. He made a whip. That's what the Bible says. He, he braided it together. He went in there and he's flipping tables over. Doves are flying. Money's going over the place. He didn't bring the whip for the doves. This is a Jesus they've never seen before. But if you think he's angry, you don't understand. He will do what he has to do to get their attention. And I want to tell you, I found this to be true in my life. God will love me into a truth, or he will spank me into a truth. And I think most parents can relate to that. When you ask a child to do something, it's in their best interest to do that. But if that doesn't work, I mean, know what I'm talking about. Don't leave a brother hanging. And Jesus has been talking to them. This was a dramatic story. The woman at his feet, him releasing her and him looking at them and they don't get it. And he's telling them, listen, I want you guys to know the truth because the truth will set you free. And they stand their ground and they say, we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been in bondage to anybody. And then he starts to narrow it down. You won't hear what I'm saying. Because I'm not your daddy. We're living at a time, in a, in a, especially here in America, where distinctions are being eliminated. I know for this generation, it seems hard to believe, but mankind has done well for 6,000 years where there being a man and a woman. It's worked pretty good. We went from two people to seven billion with that plan. That's pretty, that's pretty good. And then all of a sudden, now there's like, I don't know, hundreds of sexualities. And we're getting farther away from the plan of God, where there be a, a, a husband and a wife and a man and a woman. And, and, and that man and that woman, that husband and wife, they impart to their children certain attributes. And there are things that women are better at than men. Husband, it's a good point, place to make some points. Make sure she sees it. Do this. Okay? There are some things where women are better at than men. And in the economy of God, the mother passes that to the children. There are some things that men do better than women. It's just the way they're made. And it's the purpose in the economy of God that the man passes that down to the children. Because only with the, the wife and the father, the mother and the father expressing who they are do you get the whole picture of God are you with me so far he made them male and female equal absolutely different yes somebody say amen and when Jesus here is saying to them that Satan is your father. He's telling them something that is not as apparent to us as it is to them. Because it's the father that speaks destiny into a child. The sense of purpose and the sense of value, that's one of the things 
that a father should be doing frames how that child sees themselves. And when Jesus says, your father's the devil, he's saying, it's because you have chosen him as your father, that's why you're acting the way you're acting. And you can't hear me because you're listening to him. So who's your daddy? He was a murderer. You ever notice that? Did that, that phrase ever jump off of you? We often think of, the, of Satan as being a thief. And he is. But Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning. He's a murderer, David. He's a murderer. A murderer. You know what he's murdering? We're, we're, we're having a raging debate, and I think this is the one the church will win, but we're having a raging debate in this country about abortion. Watch for a change. Listen to me. Watch for a change. I think the, 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 the church is being awoke. Whew. Watch for a change. I'm not talking about today or tomorrow. Watch for a sea change here. But the, Satan is wanting to murder who God designed you to be. The Bible says that he knew you in your mother's womb. He formed you. He destined you. He loves you. He doesn't make any garbage. And if you're here this morning and in some area of your life, if you feel like garbage, I want to tell you that's not what God made you to feel like. Somebody else has come along and murdered or attempted to murder who you are. And Jesus said, Satan is a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning. And when he speaks, he speaks from himself, the King James says. New King James says, from his own resources. Listen to me for a moment, believer. Listen to me. Whenever you speak from your own resources, you're speaking lies. Because, listen, if you have any part of your life that has been damaged by a lie, when you speak, that's what's going to come out. I've long forgiven, long ago forgiven my father for the way that he treated us as kids. And, and I thank God I was able to be there when he gave his heart to God. And I saw him so transformed, so dramatically and so quickly, a week or so before he passed away. And I hold nothing against him, but there's a lesson to be learned there. My, you know, there were six of us kids, five boys and one girl. And one of us children, it seemed like, was all of us were severely affected by the way we were treated as kids. But one of us seemed like it settled in even deeper. I'll never forget, over and over and over again, him saying, when I have kids, I'll never treat my kids that way. I'll never be like that. I will never be like that. I will never be like that. I will never be like that. And now he's 57 years old still an alcoholic and he has no kids and he's just like my dad he is just like my dad
Bible says that the sins of the father will be what? Passed down to the children, even to the fourth generation. Why? Why? Because if I don't deal with issues in my life when I engage my children, I'm, I'm going to pass that lie I believe about myself down to my kids. Are you with me? And if they grasp that when they grow up, they will unknowingly pass that to their children. Unless there's a divine intervention, unless something changes. And Jesus saying, who's your daddy? He speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Here's where the rubber meets the road. He said he's the father of it. What does it take to be a father? Let's just talk for just a moment. It, to become the father of a child in the most base sense means you contributed the sperm. But that in and of itself wasn't enough to create a baby. Jesus was very exact in his choice of words here. He is the father. Everybody say father. He's the father of lies. He, he planted a seed that mixed with something inside of you and me. And it began to grow. At one point, the Bible says that Jesus said that Satan comes for me, but he, what? He has nothing in me. None of the seeds ever took root. Because there was nothing in Jesus. And listen to me for a moment. Listen, you've got you to understand the play of the words on this. He starts off by saying that Satan is your father, but then, he's, then he, he switches it and said, and he's the father of the lies inside of you. It's called incest. How does that work? Somebody in your life believed the lie, and they believed the lie about you. And they planted that lie in you. How many know what I'm talking about? You're no good. You're stupid. You're worthless. Nobody wants you. I wish you'd have never been born. I had a couple that, I, I, they, they, I'm sure they did it out of ignorance, but when they had children, their, their firstborn child was a girl, and the the dad, the husband, was so upset, he, he cried because he wanted a boy. That, that, that's bad enough, but somewhere along the lines, they told her that. They told her, yeah, when you were born, dad cried. He, he wanted a boy so bad. And we know this family. We, we pastored them for years. She's still trying to be a boy now. She's not happy being a girl. She just recently posted something on Facebook because another relationship fell apart. And the Holy Spirit has helped me to understand what this message is about this morning because there are so many people in here the enemy fathered a lie with somebody important to you about you and now he's fathering a lie in you because that lie you believe about yourself is this making sense to anybody let me, let me bring the rubber to where it meets the road here you, 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 you have a heart for God and you want to go after God and that 
really is your purpose. It's really what you want to do, but something, something keeps drawing you back to something. And you, you, you know that something is wrong, but yet you keep going back to it. You can't break free from it. How many know what I'm talking about? You just keep, you, 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 you for a, a few minutes, you, 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 you sneak away and you get into darkness and you, 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 you involve yourself with that. And relief comes, and, and now you feel okay now. And, and you, you repent, and you're sincere when you repent, and you, you hate that part of you. And yet, you, and, and you even endeavor never to do that again, and never to go there again, and yet you find yourself like a magnet being drawn to steel. You find yourself being pulled. Don't lift your hands up, but do so in the spirit right now. The only way you're free is when you come in agreement with truth. God searches for truth in the inward parts of a man. Right now in your inward parts, align yourself with that truth. You wish you would stop, but you can't stop. And for much of your Christian walk, you're good and wholesome, but there's something that keeps pulling you back to that. You may know what I'm talking about that whatever that is it just keeps pulling you back to that and it it has you and 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 the the tension between those two just robs you of any real joy when you try to worship you feel like a hypocrite because you know what you did this week am i talking to anybody if not i'll just stop that's not true i'm gonna keep going And listen to me for a moment. This is, this is actually a, a, a tag on to last week's message. So how do, I, how do I get free of that? I think that freedom can come in an instantaneous. Now, you may have to learn how to walk out that freedom, but the freedom can come in an instant. But you, 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 you start to reject the lie. That's how it starts. You, you reject that. It doesn't matter who said it to you. It doesn't matter how important they are. I had a, a horrible incident that happened to me years ago. It, it took me, and I don't think I've ever spoke about this from the pulpit. I don't think. I'll keep the names out. But going through a dark time in my life. Real dark time in my life, and I just wasn't sure anymore. And been invited to this large gathering, this internationally known minister, and and so we went. And at one point, he he had a word, and he said, "There are several of you here today, and there are thousands, I think." And that, and he he described a certain condition, a certain attitude. He said, "If you're here today," come on up front I want to pray for you and there was and this was had to do with people who were in the ministry pastors and and there were a number of us went up front and he, he prayed for the, the the several I was the last guy to get up there and and he prayed for the several people in front of me and then he, he got to me and he he said something that well they really I didn't really understand where he was going with that but in front of thousands of people, he looked at me and said, if God told you to never preach again, would you preach? Well, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And he told all of us to go. He's never going to tell me not to preach. Do you see my reasoning? And I said, God would never tell me not to preach. He said, get out of here. You don't even know God. It wasn't a good day. <laughs> it wouldn't have been a good day if it was in private. It was in front of thousands of people, including my family. And I'm already questioning whether I know God. <laughs> that didn't help. I know the enemy can use anybody to get at you. 
It doesn't matter how important they were. It might have been dad and mom. It might have been your ex. It might have been a neighbor. It might have been a school teacher. But they, they, they spoke something into you. And they were speaking from their own resources. They were speaking from themselves. They were, listen to me, you've got to know this. You know when freedom came with me and my relationship with my dad? When I understood that hurt people hurt people. And that he hurt me because he was hurt. And he planted a seed of lie about me in me because somebody had planted a seed of lie about him in him. Is this making sense? And I had to see it like that. I had to see that I, you know, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish we'd have had a different relationship, but the reality is that he was treated a certain way, and so he treated me a certain way. And, and I had a right to accept or reject. And that's what this is about today. You see, when I got saved, I, I, it was more than just a, a mental acknowledgement of God in my life. That's why it's called born again. Because there was junk that happened to me after I was born the first time that messed me up. Can anybody relate to this? You ever wanted to do a do-over? I've played a few rounds of golf. I, they made me quit. You know, you go to the post office and they have pictures of people on, Okay you know, wanted. I go to golf courses and they have my picture up there. Do not let this man on the greens. But I, one thing I did like about golf is they, they have a thing called a mulligan. I thought you were, should have two or three of those for every hole. I guess maybe you're allowed once every 18 holes or something. That seems like too few. do-over. It's like you didn't even do it. There's no, no points, no... You don't even have to go find that ball. I can usually find it. It's where the people are over there yelling. <laughs> or the window breaking. True story. I took somebody, I think it was either Gabriel or Josiah, to a driving range to show them how to do it. And I, I teed the ball up and I hit it. And it was like, that thing was a boomerang. It went, crashed right into a window. Stuck in a storage shed over there. I said, okay, now don't do that. And then when somebody started coming, I said, don't you ever do that again. But you have a mulligan where you hit the ball and it's just so crazy bad, you just say, all right, I'm starting over. And, and that's why being born again is the terminology that God used because there's been junk that's been done to you and thoughts that have been planted in you since you were born the first time that have affected who you are. And God says, we're going to do a do-over. Old things passed away. And behold, all things have become new. You are a new creature in Christ. And that's true if you choose to believe that. So he's telling these guys, listen to me. If you'll grab a hold of this truth, it'll be a truth that sets you free. It's almost as if he's saying, I'm, I'm sorry you were treated that way. I'm sorry that other people view you the way they view you. I'm sorry that you're being condemned. I'm sorry that you're struggling. I want you to know that if you let me be your daddy... Everything else is going to pass away, and everything will become new. It's called justification. It simply means this, just as if I'd never been dealt with that way. Just as if I'd never done that. 
justified. So who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who you believe in? Who you believe in? I know I'm taking long. Just bear with me. Who you believe in? The woman met him at the well, and she so wanted to worship God. She so wanted to do it right. She so wanted to get it perfect. She had a heart in her. Everybody else was rejecting her. She wanted to connect with God, and she, that was in her. And she said, I want to know. You sound like you know what you're talking about. Well, you know, we think you ought to go over here and worship, and you people say out of there, what mountain do I go? Where do I go? How do I get this worship thing going? How do I, how do I get this? Where do I go? Where do I stand? How do I do it? How can this become real to me? How does this really impact me? And he says, go get your husband. She thought she had a theological problem. No, she had another problem. So go get your husband. She's like, what has he got to do with it? She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you said well. Isn't that strange that he said that? He said, you said well. Look it up, that's what he said. You said well. You don't have a husband, you're living with a guy. You've had five husbands. He said well. Why was it well that she said that? Because it's the truth. Are you getting this? It's the truth. It's ugly, but it's the truth. You said, well, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with doesn't love you enough to give you his name. He said, listen, woman, the hour's coming. You've got to catch the second part. And now is. <laughs> Do you realize that that hour had been coming for a long time? And do you know when it started? Right there that day at the well. The hour is coming, and now is. The true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. What lie are you believing about yourself? What? What lie? Right now, ask the Holy Spirit, what lie am I believing about myself? What lie is it? Listen, there's an anointing here to remove that. What lie is that? What lie? I'll tell you what it might be. It might be that thing that that person said to you that you just keep hearing over and over again in your head. That, that might be the lie. I wish you'd never been born. I wish you were like your brother. I wish you're so stupid. You're so ugly. Nobody will love you. Nobody wants you. What lie are you believing? What lie? I can tell you who told you, who told that lie about you. It wasn't your dad or your mom or your ex or your husband or your wife or your brother or your sister or the teacher or the policeman. It wasn't them. It was the father of all lies. Did you hear that? He's the father of of all lies he planted a seed inside of you that connected with something inside of you and began to grow master we sowed good seed in the field but now there's bad seed what happened and he said an enemy's done this it's a father of lies and Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and God showed up, and they hid themselves from God. And, and God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I hid myself. Why did you hide yourself? Because I'm naked. Notice what God said. What? Who, who told you? Who told you you were naked? How many in here, when you're naked, you know it? If you're naked and you know it, lift your hand. (laughs) 
That wasn't a dumb statement, though, by God to Adam. Because up until that time, listen to me, Adam only knew what God had told him. And God had never told him he was naked. So Adam, who, who, who told you? That was the first lie that was planted. Who told you you were naked? Who told you that was something to be ashamed of? No, we're not starting a nudist church. I get it. We wear clothes. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's a relief. That's a relief. Who told you? Who told you that? I want to tell you, there are people in this room, you are believing a lie about yourself. That you default to this again and again. You tell yourself, I'm not ever going to engage in this sin, but you, you trip to it. You, 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 you swear you're never going to involve yourself with a person like that who treats you like that and give it a year and you're back to another person who treats you like that. You swear you're never going to let yourself be taken advantage of and you, you mean it when you say it, but you find your... How many know what I'm talking about? You just keep, you keep letting people do that to you. You keep struggling that same battle over again. You keep facing the same struggle. You keep... You keep doing the same thing. You keep struggling the same thoughts. You keep thinking that one day it's going, I'm going to get better. And God is saying that day is now. Who's your daddy? song we sang, I am who you say I am. Who are you allowing to shape your destiny? What the father of lies spoke to you through somebody else? Or what he speaks to you. Would you stand to your feet this morning? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.